Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar who will be your host in this roundup of the past week of Fake News. And happy 4th of July to everybody. It's Independence Day for America. That's the anniversary of the day that we first declared our independence. It's Treason Day if you're in England. It's America's birthday if you're a patriot. America is 246 years old. Or it's our 403rd birthday if you're a leftist. Because <laughs> the left wing, they believe that America's true founding was 1619. But okay, for those of us who live in reality... Happy 4th of July. And it's an especially good Independence Day because just a few weeks ago, Roe versus Wade was struck down. And we're still feeling kind of the aftershocks of that as far as the culture goes. And that's what a lot of today is going to be talking about. But this is the first 4th of July of my life with no Roe versus Wade. And I got to tell you, it feels good. Probably my favorite 4th of July ever. Happy Independence Day to all the babies out there who have more rights than ever now. And happy Independence Day to Kyle Rittenhouse. I uh, just want to throw that in because I'm sure he's excited today to be independent, out of out of jail, out of prison, to have his name cleared. I've just been thinking about all the great things that have gone on in the country over the past year um, that we've really got out of the whole COVID pandemic thing. I know some people are still, I mean, very, very, very few people are still living in in the hellscape of thinking that they are in the COVID panic mode. Um, very, very few people out there. There still are. I still see people walking around with the masks and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, it's, it's time to move on. But anyway, the rest of us have, and I'm, and I'm glad about that. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that we just finished up a Supreme court term that had a lot of great things happen. And, um, and I'm feeling so patriotic that I even went out a few hours ago and bought some fireworks. And, you know, I usually don't cause you know, setting off fireworks, um, it kind of feels like setting my money on fire and watching it shoot up into the air and explode. And uh, so I don't typically do a lot, uh, spend a lot on fireworks on the 4th of July. But anyway, I did go out and, and got some for our family. Uh, many liberals are swearing off Independence Day this year because they already set their money on fire when they elected President Biden. So I guess they don't see a need to this time around. And, and also, they're just mad at America in general right now. And they're not in a mood to celebrate. You know, they control the White House and both houses of Congress. And they are still too mad to celebrate the 4th of July. And one thing I've noticed is that leftism, it's really an ideology of anger. The Democrats, they were frothing at the mouth, you know, starting around 2016. They have been so angry ever since then. They were enraged all throughout the whole Trump presidency. I mean, who can, who can forget this deranged person who was screaming at the sky as Trump was inaugurated. Donald J. Trump is now President of the United States. President now, you could say that back then they had a right to be mad. I mean, after all, a Republican was president. Uh, but the thing is, they didn't get any less angry once Trump left office. They celebrated for like a day, and then they just went back to being mad. And I mean, I see people, people I knew that five years ago, they were conservative, or, or some of them 10 years ago, they were conservative. And somewhere along the way, they got roped into leftism. And now they are just miserable, unhappy people. I mean, none of them are happy. People that I knew 
you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, they were happy people and they're not today. And even though their guy now, the one that they, you know, voted for a couple of years ago, their guy's in the White House. And yet they they still spend their days complaining about Trump, even though they control the House and the Senate. They spend most of their days upset at Republicans. They've decided um, they've decided to believe this ideology that America is an evil, racist, hateful, oppressive country, and it makes them miserable. All they do is look at what what they say another country does better. Okay, like they'll look at life expectancy in Japan or gun control in France, and they'll just whine that they don't have it. You know, they never look at the economy in Syria or gun co- or or poverty in so- in Somalia or the war crimes going on in Libya or the terrorism in Nigeria. They don't ever look at that stuff and be like, "Oh man, I'm so glad I that I don't live there. I'm so thankful to live in America." They don't do that. They want to just fixate on their problems, what they see as big problems, and they and they just want to blame everybody else for what they don't have. You know, well, I know, but I can't be happy till I have free college. And, and free this and that and, and abortion, all they want to do is fixate on what they see as their problems and blame everyone else for what they don't have. So for the rest of us who like being happy, let's have a good time tonight, setting off fireworks, eating some hot dogs, getting bit by mosquitoes. And the people who want to miss out on all that, they can just stay inside and be angry. Uh, let's go through a few different news things that have happened in the past week. Um, so over in Akron, Ohio, there was an unarmed black man killed. His name is Jalen Walker. And so we'll talk about his story. But at Akron, Ohio, I've ne- I don't think I've ever been to Akron. I've been to Ohio a, f- a few times, I think. But, you know, it's funny. Uh, so just last week, I was talking to someone in Arkansas. And uh, and he had a, the, Ar- the Arkansas accent, even though it's just, you know, one state away from me, not very far away. But you get down there and the people in Arkansas, they've got accents. <laughs> they've got their own way of saying some things. And and so anyway, I'm going to meet this guy in Arkansas, and he he tells me to call him whenever I get to Akron. And I was like, okay, and I'm, so I know what road to go down. I, I don't know where this town is, but he tells me to, to call him when I get to Akron. And I was like, Akron, okay, and that's spelled A-K-R-O-N. Because I was thinking of Akron, Ohio, when he said that. So I was like, okay, so I'm looking for a town. Is this how it's spelled? So I was like, is, is it spelled A-K-R-O-N? And he's like, he just pauses. He says, it's Akron. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'll call you when I get to Akron. So anyway, I'm going down the road and I finally get there. The town is called Acorn. Acorn, Arkansas. Just a little town in Arkansas, but but they say it down there. They say Akron. So there you go. That's that's the accent. So the real Akron though, Akron, Ohio. There was a uh, there is a black man and he was shot. And so of course as the media reports it, another unarmed black man was killed by police. And there's even been body cam footage that was released. It shows him being shot. And he was not armed at the time that he was shot. And so, of course, there's already some protests going on out there and uh, people acting upset about it. And, you know, saying this is just another showing how cops, how the cops are all racist, all that kind of stuff. Um, What a lot of the news articles are not going to tell you is that the cops believed him to be armed because right before they shot him, he had been opening fire on police. And there's video of that, too. So Jalen Walker, if you read any story about him, it's probably not going to mention, especially near the top of the story, it's probably not going to mention that he himself was shooting at police and on the run from them. And then at the time they finally caught up to him and shot him, they thought he was about to shoot them, shoot at them again. But at that time, he was actually unarmed. So, I mean, it was nighttime. It was dark. It was hard to see. But anyway, yes, he was technically unarmed at the time he was shot. 
he wasn't holding his weapon in his hand at the time he was shot, but he had just right before that been shooting at the cops. So let me give you my rule when I see an article like this, okay? Because I don't want unjust shootings to happen, all right? But here's my rule. If you are resisting arrest, you get no sympathy from me. I mean, that goes if you're white, black, whatever. If you are resisting arrest, and then that leads to circumstances that end with you dying, you know what? I could, I'm, I'm just not going to get upset about that. I have a limited amount of time. I have a limited amount of emotional energy. I can't just throw a fit over every single thing that happens. And so here's my rule. If someone's resisting arrest, and then something happens that ends up getting them killed, I don't get upset about that. You lost my sympathy because when the cops are chasing you down the road, you don't do what Jalen Walker did and reach your hand out the window with a gun and start shooting at them. That's what he was doing. Going down the road. It could have hit and killed anybody if, if they were in that vicinity. And that leads to circumstances where he gets wrongly shot because it was dark and they thought he was still armed. You get no sympathy from me, mister. I'm not picketing for you. I'm not marching for you. I'm not chanting anything for you. You were resisting arrest and you caused your own death. Okay? You caused the circumstances that led to your death. And I say that for anyone. I don't care. I don't care what their skin color is. <laughs> if the cops are chasing you, pull over. Okay? If they are trying to arrest you, put your hands up. Wait for them to come over and cuff you. You can sort out the details later. If you're innocent for what, you know, you say, oh, I'm innocent. You can sort that out later. Running from the cops, fighting the cops, shooting at the cops, that does not end well for you. So if you want my pity, don't don't resist arrest, okay? Now, I don't think there's going to be riots and stuff over this because the thing with riots and looting and all that stuff, um, that's beneficial. A lot of that stuff is manufactured, okay? They The, the Democrats get the crowds ginned up. You know, they're importing pallets of bricks for, for people to throw. They're helping to organize these, what they call protests, okay? The mostly peaceful but fiery protests. They're, the Democrats gin all that stuff up. They're, their politicians go on TV and cheer it on. So they get the people doing this. They go out and say the lies to get people all ginned up to, 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 to loot and riot, okay? But they don't want that on an election year where the Democrats are in control. Because when you have riots and, and stuff burning down, stuff on fire, when you have people losing their minds out in the streets— that looks bad for the party who's in control because it looks like they're not doing a very good job of keeping things under control. So the Democrats don't want that this year. So they're not going to they're not going to try to turn this into the next George Floyd situation. They don't want that because they don't want to turn over. You know, they are going to get a turnover in November. The House is going to go back to the Republicans. The Senate's going to go back to the Republicans. But the Democrats don't want that right now. They don't they don't want they don't want a bunch of panic in the streets. So I would not expect any big riots this summer. Speaking of our leadership, why don't we pause here for a message from our president? And I think I've played this one before, um, but I feel with today being the 4th of July, I feel like it's appropriate to revisit this soul-stirring message from our president. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him... Uh, put, Excuse me. All right, for our next story today, uh, this comes from Yahoo. I just had a little bit of time 
yesterday morning. I had a little bit of extra time in the morning. And so I thought, well, let me just buzz over to Yahoo News and see what they're lying about today. And literally right there as I get there to the homepage, they have this story with the headline, Clarence Thomas quotes false vaccine conspiracy theory in dissent. So Clarence Thomas had written a dissent in one of the Supreme Court cases recently. And in his dissent, as, as Yahoo alleges, he quotes a, a false vaccine conspiracy theory uh, to back up whatever his opinion is in his dissent. Okay. So I'm like, okay, well, I think Clarence Thomas is probably the most intelligent. Like he's in the top 1%, maybe the top 0.1% easily of most intelligent Americans in the country today. So for him to be taken in by a false vaccine conspiracy theory, I find that a little hard to believe. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll click on the article and check it out. So let's fact check the fact checker. Here's what I find as I go into this Yahoo fact check. It says, until yesterday, it was hard to imagine how Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas could have made the court's term any worse. <laughs> now, as I think of fact checking, like when people are running a fact check, okay, the fact checkers out there who are supposed to tell us what the facts are, if anything should be written in an objective format, I would think a fact checker would want to write his, his stuff in, a, in an objective news format. Here's what I mean by that. You know, news has objective news pages, which are like on the front page, usually the first several pages of the newspaper. They're supposed to be objective, factual, just tell you what the facts are, right? And then sometimes you get to an opinion page a few pages in, and the opinion pages are subjective because they're giving you opinion. And whenever you're in journalism school, I know because I was there, they teach you how to write objectively and how to write subjectively and how if you're writing an objective piece of, of news that you don't want to let subjective opinions leak into it. So you learn how to kind of weed those out and say things in a, in a just a straight, factual, objective manner. That's what objective news reporting is. Okay? And over the past decade, we have seen really a blurring of the line between what is objective and subjective. So all I'm getting at really in saying all that like, we go through lots of examples of how that's becoming less and less clear. I would think, if anything, that you're writing about, if you're going to use the objective voice, if anything would be objective, it would be a fact check. Because a fact check is supposed to say, this is what someone said. Here is what the facts are. So if anything should be objective, it should be a fact-checking article. Well, <laughs> does that sound objective to you? It's hard to imagine how the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas could have made the court's term any worse. <laughs> You know, I said a few minutes ago, I thought it was one of the greatest Supreme Court terms ever. But this is an opinion show. I mean, I, I share facts in here, but I don't, I don't try to pretend I'm an objective news source. I'm being openly subjective on this program. So did that sound objective to you, how they wrote that? that just asserting that the court's term was bad and that Clarence Thomas made it worse? Okay. Let's get back into the article. So they're, they're going to quote Clarence Thomas here on why he said some people don't want COVID vaccines. And this is what he said in, in some dissent that he wrote. He said, they object on religious grounds to all available COVID-19 vaccines because they were developed using cell lines derived from aborted children. Okay, so Clarence Thomas is stating in his dissent that some people, I guess you could say pro-life people and people who don't want to take a vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, that they object on religious grounds because the vaccines were developed using cell lines derived from aborted children. 
Then this is what the fact checker says. That is not a thing. <laughs> that period is period, not period, a period thing. That is what the fact checker tells us and then states this. Okay, then listen to, this is their fact check, okay? Pfizer and Moderna used fetal cell lines early in their COVID vaccine development to test the, effic to test the efficacy of their formulas as other vaccines have in the past. The fetal tissue used in these processes came from elective abortions that happened decades ago. So to me, like they just stated a fact that backed up. Isn't that what Clarice Thomas basically said? That's why some people don't want to take the vaccines because they feel like they were made immorally. <laughs> they, they, just better, they basically said what Clarence Thomas said. Now let me jump a little bit further ahead in the article. And this is what the Yahoo fact check tells us. So it is not true that COVID vaccines are manufactured using fetal cell lines, nor do they contain any aborted cells. Okay. <laughs> and then they finish out the article with this. The good thing is the Supreme Court's term ended yesterday, and given his history of sitting on the bench for years without saying anything, it'll probably be a while before we hear from Clarence Thomas again. Again, not, not very objective, okay? But if you were listening to all that, you're probably confused. Didn't they just say earlier that Pfizer and Moderna used fetal cell lines from fetal tissue that was used in abortions? And they absolutely did say that. But then they turned right around and said it is not true that COVID vaccines use fetal cell lines. So isn't that a contradiction? Well, here is the trick they used to try to fact check Clarence Thomas and imply that he was lying. The trick that they used was how they switched out a verb. The first time they said that the COVID vaccines used fetal cell lines to test the efficacy of the vaccines. But then at the end of the article, then they say it is not true that COVID vaccines are manufactured using fetal cell lines. So in other words, once they have the formula down and they start mass producing the vaccine, they don't need to use the aborted fetuses anymore, but they did use them when they were researching and creating the vaccine. Do you see the trick that they pulled here? So they state this fact to fact check Clarence Thomas to claim that he lied. So let's go back to what Clarence Thomas actually said and let's reread his original statement, okay? And we'll see which verb he used. Did he claim that the vaccine was manufactured with abortus fetal, fetus cell lines? Let's see if that's what he said, okay? So when he was talking about why people don't want to use COVID vaccines, this is what he said. They object on religious grounds to all available COVID-19 vaccines because they were developed using cell lines derived from aborted children. So the word that Clarence Thomas used was developed. And that's why Yahoo is fact-checking him on it. But he was absolutely correct when he said that they were developed. Because developed is a broad word. <laughs> it's a broad word, okay? If you say that you developed a vaccine, you're talking about a comprehensive process. You're talking about the research, the testing, the creation, the production. All of that is part of developing a vaccine. So Clarence Thomas was 100% correct when he said the COVID-19 vaccines, that they are developed using cell lines from abortive chil aborted children. That's a 100% true statement. And yet Yahoo runs a fact check on that. <laughs> and surprise, they say, that is not a thing. It absolutely is a thing, you freaking liars, because they did use it when they were creating the vaccine, when they were testing it. And then they, they didn't have to use them for the manufacture of the vaccine. 
But the developing the developing a vaccine is more than just manufacturing it. It also refers to whenever you create it. Okay, so they are they are just freaking liars. I'm at the point that when a fact checker says something, I just believe the opposite now. Okay, <laughs> if if a fact checker tells you that the sky is blue, I'm gonna go outside expecting a purple sky, because whatever they say, it's just that they're just trying to tell you the opposite of whatever it actually is. I don't even know how these people look at themselves in the mirror. I honestly don't. When they lie so openly, so shamelessly, I mean, I, as I said, I went to journalism school. I got a bachelor's in communications. I spent years working on school newspapers. And that's part of the process. If you want to be, um, if you want a newspaper degree, a mass communications degree, you have to work in, in one of the departments, if that's the TV side, the magazine side. I worked on the newspaper side. You got you to get some experience, hands-on experience with those things. So I worked in the newspaper side and and I went through years of training. And I just can't imagine some of these people who went through that same training, went through journalism school, spent four years or more becoming a journalist, going to work for a newspaper or a magazine or some kind of prestigious, you know, to do fact checks on Yahoo. And then you spend your life just taking 100% true statements and trying to pretend that they are somehow lies. I can't imagine someone going through all that work, spending all that money, working, doing all that stuff in college, just to be a fact checker for somewhere like Yahoo, who just try to spins, tries to spin facts into lies. How do you even look at yourself in the mirror? Okay? And these fact checkers, what they're doing to you, all they're trying to do is make you dumber. Because they hope you'll read that and that you won't notice the little trick that they played by swapping out the verbs. Well, Clarence Thomas said that vaccines were developed using aborted fetuses, but they weren't manufactured using aborted fetuses, so he was lying. No, you're lying, okay? Anyone with a brain who wants to take 30 seconds to figure out what you did, they can easily figure it out. And that's the problem. Most people, even, I'm not even saying they're stupid, just most people don't take 30 seconds to figure out, you know, what an article's really saying. You know, they just kind of take it at the word. They're like, oh, huh. That Clarence Thomas, he must be a conspiracy theorist or some kind of liar. You know, in all honesty, most people, they won't even read the story. They'll just see the headline and they're going to assume Clarence Thomas is some kind of moron. And the people at Yahoo couldn't care less. They just want you to walk away from their website dumber than how you came to it. And by the way, that's what reading fact checkers will do for you. They'll make you dumber. So please don't read the fact checkers because their job is just to misinform you. That's all they're trying to do. I mean, I used to like reading the fact checkers, you know, when they would do something like there'd be a presidential debate. And then after the debate, you could go to you could go to CNN and they'd have a fact check on the debate. And they were pretty even handed. They would tell you this is where Obama lied. This is where Romney lied. You know, they used to be informative. But a few things have changed since then. OK, not just CNN, but lots of things have changed. CNN has definitely changed in the past 10 years. But also the fact checkers. They just outright lie now. They just want to make it look like people lie. Well, let me rephrase that. They want to make it look like conservatives or Republicans are lying. And they want to make it look like Democrats are telling the truth even when they're lying. Okay, so the fact checkers outright lie. Two, they have fact checks on everything nowadays. It's not just on a presidential debate. They run fact checks. That, like They want to give their opinion on every speech, every tweet, every Supreme Court opinion, they want to run their own fact check and give the press's opinion on that too. Okay? That's not what... that's We didn't have that before. 
But now there's fact checks every single day on something. And three, 90% of the time, they only fact check conservatives. Okay? 90% 90 of the time, the fact checks, they're just attacks on conservatives. And it's all propaganda. So just don't even bother reading the fact checkers. Okay, let's talk about what's racist for this week. Everything is racist! So being anti-abortion is racist now. And this is according to the Times of Israel. Okay, and so this is an opinion piece written for the Times of Israel. It's by Vicki Pollan, and she's a social justice activist and I guess a Jewish lady. And so she's going to explain to us why, as her headline says, being anti-abortion is being anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic meaning anti-Jewish. Okay? Here's what she says in her opinion piece. According to Jewish law, if a fetus is a danger to the life of a woman emotionally, psychologically, and or physically, she is required to have an abortion. According to Jewish law, a fetus is not considered a living being until it comes out of a woman's uterus. By not allowing Jewish women to have abortions, you are violating her civil rights to practice her faith. <laughs> okay? So she made an audacious claim in there that if a woman feels that the fetus is a danger to her emotional, psychological, or physical life, she is required, required to have an abortion, according to Vicki Pollan. And Vicki Pollan does something here where she, she provides a hyperlink to more information about this. Okay, where she says, according to Jewish law, that's in blue letters. It's, you know, it's something handy that people do on the internet where you can click on those letters and they will take you to another resource that supposedly will back up what the person is claiming, okay? To give references, basically. So Vicki Pollan does that, where she says, according to Jewish law, if the fetus is a danger to the life of the woman, blah, blah, blah. She puts that in blue letters, to let us know that you can click on those letters and go look at a resource. So I clicked it because I'm like, well, this is quite a statement that if a woman feels that this fetus is endangering her, that she is required to have an abortion. Not just that it's an option to her, but that as Vicky says, she is required. So I went to check on that. <laughs> so she linked to something called the National Council on Jewish Women, where they have a paper on abortion, which is what Vicky was linking to. So I read the paper. And guess what? It never once says anything like what she's claiming. That a woman is required to have an abortion if the fetus endangers her well-being. It doesn't say anything about emotions, psychological, physical health. So I'm like, well, maybe Vicky here, maybe she linked to the wrong article. Maybe she meant to link to a paper that actually does say the things that she was claiming. Or... Maybe she's linking to just some random Jewish document about abortion, hoping that you won't go and actually read it and try to find some kind of basis for her claims. Yeah, I'm thinking that she's just hoping she could make these audacious claims and just hope no one would look into it too deeply. Because, you know, if Democrats hate anything, if, if liberals hate anything, it's being asked simple questions about their philosophy. So let me continue with another paragraph here from what she said. This issue of being anti-abortion comes from a Christian perspective. According to the Constitution of the United States, there is supposed to be a separation of church and state. <laughs> let, me, let me just stop there for a second. That is not anywhere in the Constitution. 
So she might be some is you know Israeli citizen. I know I don't know. It's called the Times of Israel, so she's probably not even an American citizen. But she's complaining about America overturning Roe versus Wade. So she says the issue of being anti-abortion comes from a Christian perspective, and according to the Constitution, there's supposed to be a separation of church and state. Yeah, go go do a search for that lady. <laughs> Doesn't even know what she's talking about. So she she perhaps she perhaps she knows even less about the Constitution than she does about Jewish law. Because she's the both of the claims she's made about those things so far have been totally wrong. But let me continue. Creating laws which ban women from ending a pregnancy is imposing the Christian belief system onto those who practice other faiths, along with women who are unaffiliated to any religion. So now she's saying you can't be anti-abortion if it's from a Christian perspective because separation of church and state. But just in the paragraph before that, she said it was violating her Jewish faith to ban abortions because she said she's required to get one as a Jewish woman. So if you ban them, she ha- she's saying she has religious reasons for wanting to keep them. So wait, is it wrong for people to ab- oppose abortion for Christian faith reasons or not? <laughs> Are we supposed to let our religious faith guide us in this or not? And you know, as you as you listen to pro-choice people talk, it's it almost starts to sound like they don't really have any actual convictions or principles that they live by. It's kind of like they just want to kill their kids. And they don't really care what reasons you slap on it. They just want the right to do that. <laughs> so, also, by the way, now they say being anti-abortion is racist. The liberals will say this despite because they say everything's racist. But listen, they say that despite the fact that more black babies die from abortion than than anybody. So, if you just ended abortion all throughout the United States today, you would see more of a growth in the black population than any other population in the country because there are more black babies being aborted each year than any other race of people out there. And we talked about this a lot in the last program. So, if you actually want black people, if you want more black people to be born, if you want more black people to live in this country, you would overturn abortion because that would be the fastest way to get the black population to grow. Okay? So Democrats will say that you are racist if you're anti-abortion when they are the ones who are trying to make it to where more black kids die, where more unborn black people don't even get a chance to take their first breath. You know, it was calculated that um, when Roe versus Wade was overturned, and I don't know how true this is, this was just a calculation I saw. It said, it said only ten percent of abortions would be stopped initially. Okay, so like the initial effect would be ten percent fewer abortions, and then you know, hopefully, hopefully later over time we get more and more stopped until hopefully someday it's hundred percent. But anyway, that's what they were saying. Initially, only ten percent of abortions would be stopped. But and and some people were saying so it's pointless. Like it would be pointless to overturn Roe versus Wade because you're only stopping 10%. But hey, when you have 800,000 kids dying a year and you stop 10%, you know what that is? That's 80,000 lives saved each year. And like I said, the largest the largest chunk of that as far as like outside of their proportion to the population, that's black children. So thousands of more black babies each year. The Supreme Court just saved more black lives than Black Lives Matter ever has. With one decision, (laughs) the Supreme Court has saved thousands of black babies. So opposing abortion is not racist. Allowing abortion, that makes you racist.
trying to preserve abortion and, and have more black babies die than any other race, that's racist. Before I close down later, I just want to mention this here. If you want to get in touch with Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, you can send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. If you see some fake news, send it our way. Whoever gets it to us first will get credit for it. And also to stay in touch throughout the week, we're on Twitter at Fake News Weekly. And if you like Bible studies or if you just really dig the sound of my voice, I do have another podcast. It's called Cross References. Now that one has nothing to do with news or current events, but... It's what I consider my main podcast, and it has new episodes on Mondays. So go look up Cross References. It's on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get this podcast. You can also find my other one. So um, for this week, you know, I don't think I'll do a Beyond the Headline this Like, we kind of already did a few Beyond the Headlines um, before. So I think I just want to return to an idea from earlier in the program, which was about this being the July 4th holiday and, and how many leftists Literally, I was not joking earlier, they literally do not want to celebrate it. Um, and their main reason is that Roe versus Wade was overturned, so they don't want to celebrate fireworks. Um, so let me just read like a few examples I saw on social media. Um, <laughs> here's someone like whining in a text message. We're just going to be home. Why would we celebrate women's rights being taken away and them having less rights than firearms? I could go on about countless other things, too. But there's nothing to celebrate or, re- or be proud of at this time. It's the land of the free if you're a white middle-class Christian male. Everyone else is second class. So no, nothing to celebrate or be proud of. Now, that's just an example right there. That's someone's rant that is it's very, very indicative of a lot of the, the, the comments that people are making on social media lately. Um, let, me, let me give you another one. Th- this was a Reddit post. I told my husband that I do not want to celebrate the upcoming 4th of July holiday. I said I would like if both he and the kids didn't celebrate it either. I have never asked for anything like this, but my reasoning is that why should we celebrate freedom when mine was just taken from not only me, but also half the population of this country? He knew my views on abortion and how strongly I feel about bodily autonomy. He told me he would think about it. I told him this is something I want support on. He told me he understands, and my reasoning makes sense. My oldest understands, but he is upset that we won't light fireworks this year. I haven't said anything to my youngest yet. I'm raw, scared, and burned out. I do not know if not celebrating July 4th will make me feel better, but I know even faking it and doing it for my kids at this point is not something I'm willing to do and will just make me miserable. <laughs> so she's saying, she's saying, hey, my kids want it, you know, but I can't even fake being happy for them. I'm just not going to let anyone in my family celebrate the 4th of July. I won't even just sit inside and let them go out and do it. I just don't want anyone to have fun this year, <laughs> which is not surprising at all because putting yourself before your kids, well, that's at the heart of abortion anyway. So this kind of makes sense. She's kind of just being logically inconsistent here. She's just being logically consistent that, that, hey, it's what I want. It's not what my kids want. So thankfully her kids have already been born. So at least they're alive. You know, hope her kids don't actually understand that the thing she's all whiny about this year is that she doesn't have the right to kill their brothers or sisters if more of them were to come. And so anyway, this is a common sentiment being shared on social media right now. And so just once again, here's what I want to say about that. As our country is more divided, and now we can't even celebrate the 4th altogether, uh, we're just seeing, once again, the fracturing of America. Once again, the left is refusing to participate in something that is symbolic of national unity. 
And it's always the left that does this. You know, we can't just sit side by side and watch fireworks explode. We can't just sit side by side at a football game and, and honor the national anthem. We can't go to a movie without political messaging being shoved down our throats. And, and then there's those of us on the right, and we see all this. We see how they are ripping our country apart. And that's true that they're ripping the country apart. But I see a lot of people just calling for a unity, but they are not taking time to patch up where our differences are. They just say, hey, we got to have unity. We got to find compromise. But we should not find compromise with these people, okay? Because our differences are so philosophically incompatible that we can't really have compromise or unity, okay? And, and when I say our issues, like the things we're debating about right now, when the actual founding of America was, was it 1776 or was it 1619? One of those is right and one of those is wrong. You can't compromise on that. This is a statement of fact, historical fact. So who gets to write our history? Who gets to, who gets to decide what our history is? It's got to be one or the other. These things like transgenderism and sexual identity, these things are watershed issues. I heard someone explain it like this, that a watershed issue, it's whenever you have to pick one or the other. The, the water is falling. You got like a sloped roof on your watershed, okay? And the water's hitting it, and that water's got to fall off on one side or the other. So you got a watershed moment. You have to decide one way. You can't do some compromise. You can't split it down the middle. You can't split the baby. You got to pick one or the other. It's like with transgenderism. That is a battle over reality. Does someone's internal sense of themselves, does that get to determine reality for the rest of us? Do we have to accept how someone feels over biological fact when it comes to preferred pronouns? You know, you can only do one or the other. If someone is a man who says he's a woman and wants to be called a she, well, you're going to have to call him a him or a her. But there's no in-between. Now, some people want to be called a they or an it. And if you if you refuse to call a human an it, they say that you're being psychologically harmful because you're dehumanizing them. <laughs> they, say, they say that you are dehumanizing them if you won't call them an it. And guys, you can't compromise on this. You have to do one or the other. Some people want to identify as animals and they want you to meow or bark at them. Well, you know what? You either do or you don't. There's no compromise with that. I'm not even saying right here that one's right and the other's wrong. I mean, I clearly have my opinion on that. I'm not even trying to say one's right and one's wrong. I'm saying you have to pick one. You have to pick one way or the other. So if you're a news organization and you have to write stories about transgender people, in doing so, you have to pick. You have to decide if you're going to use their actual pronouns or if you're going to use their preferred pronouns. You know, people say that Fox News is conservative, but Fox uses transgender people's preferred pronouns. They run pro-trans propaganda during Pride Month. That's not conservative because what are you're not conserving anything whenever you do that. You're just going right along with what the left is telling us that reality is. So listen, I think unity is great, but unity for the sake of unity, that's not worth pursuing because you can't just have unity because you like the idea of unity. What you have to do is unite around something, some kind of shared value, some kind of shared principles. And I don't think that we have any shared principles with the left anymore. You know, they have gone so extreme. They try to say that we become extreme 
our positions haven't changed a whole lot in the past 20 years, except where we've been dragged over to where they are on some things. But our positions have mostly stayed the same over on the right. It's the left who has run off in, into left field, <laughs> the outfield of left field. They used to say that abortion, that it should be safe, legal, and rare, which I don't find to be a logically consistent statement, but that was their compromise that they offered to America, okay? That when they said to you know Bill Clinton, well, he's an Arkansas boy. Arkansas is pretty conservative, but you're a Democrat, but you're pro-abortion. How does, how does someone become a Democrat pro-abortion person from Arkansas? Well, yeah, we need, but he says, but well, when it comes to abortion, we need it safe, legal, and rare. So it was seen as like a compromise position to say, hey, nobody likes abortion, but we need it. So let's just work together to reduce the number of them. So for the Democrats, that was their old position. And you could get elected with Arkansas on that. Today, that is not their position. Their, their slogan is shout your abortion. Their, their idea of a compromise is that they want abortion legal up to nine months. They're like, up until the child is nine months developed, ready to be born, that you should still be allowed to abort them. That's their new position. Okay, so if you're a conservative, if you believe that all human life is sacred, you can't compromise with that. So we're at a watershed moment, okay? These are watershed issues. Homosexuality versus Christianity. In other words, gay rights versus religious rights. Only one can win. Socialism or capitalism? Only one can win. We're, we're kind of trying to do it midway right now, but only one can win. And history shows, you know, over time, socialism creeps in and takes over. If you give socialism an inch, it will take a mile. So honestly, don't give it a foothold. And speaking of history, you know, as I said at the start, America, it's having its 246th anniversary, which means in four years, we hit a major milestone for America, 250. And that kind of brings to mind a historical analysis that, that I've seen mentioned many times over the past decade. Uh, you can find it yourself uh, if you just go to Google. Okay, go to Google and type in empires last. All right. And Google, as it always does, it will autocomplete for you. And you're going to see that a lot of people search empires last 250 years. Search that up. There's lots and lots of articles about this subject. Uh, here's one from ABC7. It's KATV. Studies show that an empire survives on average a mere 250 years. To put that into context, the world's oldest person recently died at 124 years old. So she lived nearly half as long as most empires do. Most Americans are unaware of this small but crucial statistic, which may suggest much about our country's future. It is past time for Americans to confront the painful reality that our time as a world superpower may be limited, and it is time to explore how to slow down what, frankly, is an inevitability at some point, that the United States' global domination will not persist indefinitely. This may be difficult to grasp and accept, but it has never been true for any civilization in the past, and it will never be true for any society in the future. In 2026, the United States of America, founded in 1776, will celebrate its 250th anniversary. We're rapidly nearing the 250th anniversary of the fall of most previous civilizations, with ongoing internal turmoil ranging from race to financial disparity to political tribalism, and other countries gradually pulling away from the orbit of U.S.-led supremacy, it appears that the tides are turning against us. I fear that this mere statistic may soon become a reality that alters the course of our lives. 
After all, many citizens and politicians would celebrate our downfall, not, realize, not realizing the perilous impact it would have on the freedoms they believe they do not have. I'm not sure if it will be a huge international conflict, a financial catastrophe, or a civil war that causes the United States to fall apart, but I do believe that learning from the past is critical if we are to slow down the inevitable. So again, that was from KATV, and that was just an opinion piece that they had ran. Um, but based on history, basically, here's what I want to say. Based on history, a powerful country on the world scene, like America, has a life of about 250 years, which may mean that our best days are behind us, that America may be ready to fade, that it may already be fading. And it might fade out, or it could entirely collapse overnight. So what is America's hope for the future? Well, if we're going to hold together, we do need unity. But like I said, not just a unity for the sake of unity, not a false compromise, because that's a compromise is not possible with, with the psychological divide in this country right now. Not just talking philosophical, psychological. What we need is unity, but around shared ideas. And that means returning to the values that made America what it was in the first place. So we need to recommit to following the Constitution, even when we don't like what that means. And we need to respect each other's freedoms and beliefs and not demand that everybody else agree or pretend to agree or celebrate the things that we don't agree with. Because uh, I believe America is special. It has in its DNA, like in our Constitution, in our Bill of Rights, in our Declaration, in our founding documents, we have in our DNA the formula for an empire that can do what no empire in history did. We have the formula for a country that can beat the odds and, and outlast the typical country in history. But when the Founding Fathers created America, they didn't just create any old country or any old empire— they created something that was truly unique and something worth preserving. And we can preserve it if we can all agree to reunify around the principles of freedom that started this country. And if we can reunify around reality, that we can reject this idea that, that one person's feelings can override the language that everyone else has to use and even overrule biological reality. You know, if half of society wants to continue down that path, we won't have a society much longer at all. As Benjamin Franklin is reported to have said on July the 2nd, 1776, so this was in the final days before the signing of the Declaration of Independence, we must all hang together or it is certain that we shall all hang separately. Well, thanks for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor wishing you a happy 4th of July. And if anyone tells you that the 4th is not worth celebrating, you tell them that that's just fake news. Okay.